Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is 9-9-2019. That's September 9th, 2019, and it is cold and rainy where I'm at. I woke up uh, this morning, and the temperature was like 40 degrees. It's rainy. Um, I kind of like that weather. So melancholic, so cathartic, right? Because... The sky is cleaning up all types of particles that are floating around. And guess what you smell? Mm, Because I've asked that question. The smell that you smell, that fresh air, you know how we're like, oh, it smells so fresh. It's actually ozone. Ozone, right? Ozone. The thing they told us in the 70s is going to disappear and we're all going to burn to a crisp. That climate change hoax thing kind of died down real quick, right? So we just moved it on to polar ice caps melting, how we're going to be underwater by the year 2000. You know, Prophet Al Gore messed up on that one. So, you know, they're sweeping this ozone under the rug. I think we need to um, revive it. We need to tell the world how 40 years ago they pushed on us this fake climate change with the hole in the ozone. And how we're all going to burn and we're going to die within 10 years if we don't stop using hairspray. And if McDonald's keeps pushing and selling hamburgers in styrofoam uh, containers, this is what we should be doing. We should be reminding the world that we've been through this whole climate change hoax on another level when there wasn't much Internet. Uh, People didn't have access to information and they were just like, oh, yeah, thanks, CNN. Well, CNN wasn't around then. Thanks, ABC. Thanks, CBS. <laughs> Thank you, Fox, for telling us that we're all going to burn because there's a hole in the sky. But we're all still here. So today there's a lot to talk about. Um, uh, the topics I want to cover, which are important. Uh, again, abortion. You know, big deal for me. Big issue for me. Uh, you know, I, you know, my skin crawled this morning watching an AP report talking about a woman who was too fat to realize that she was pregnant until she was 26 weeks and she went and killed the baby. So I want to talk about that. I also want to talk about STEM Express and how they admitted that they sell beating baby hearts. What? Beating baby hearts. You mean it was alive and you sold its heart beating. Disgusting. Also want to talk about, just touch upon, Kamala Harris's blooper uh, that she's backtracking Chrissy Teigen and her profane moon face pedo-loving comment. And... um. I guess we got to cover the Taliban and Mueller and 9-11 because 9-11 is going to be circling around this week. We are learning a lot because on Friday when this whole report on Mueller was released, 
Nobody talked about it. Because I said on Friday we were going to have some revelations. Nada. Nothing. So on Saturday, I was tweeting out, hey, keep your eyes open. We're going to have news about 9-11. Darn, that system. Alice was busy silencing me, making my tweets. Auto-delete, right? But it's stuck because it's going to be a busy, busy week for us. So there is so much to talk about. I mean, a tremendous amount to talk about. Uh, You know, now they're attacking the president because he wants to reduce the number of refugees. Of course he does. Uh, I want to touch upon Brexit, too. I mean, where do we start? Let's start with the with the lady that was too fat. Okay, let's get riled up here. Too fat to know that she was 26 weeks pregnant. My daughter was born just three weeks after that. You know, she was like 30 weeks, barely, when she was born. And she's serving our country, protecting disgusting human beings like this. The, these types, she spent 10 grand to go, 10 and a half thousand just to go and kill the baby and her flights, all in a matter of 10 weeks. She had 10 and a half grand to go get this abortion done, but she couldn't think, well, you know what? Why don't I find a loving couple that is, infertile that wants a baby and just give it up rather than kill it nope she chose the kill way because you know beating baby hearts and all what i would learn the hard way is when you first stop taking birth control that first couple weeks that first like few days you're your most fertile so i got pregnant in like early february Um, and I wouldn't know, have the suspicion I was pregnant until about late July. So AP says that she, unfortunately, like many other women, she has to travel so far out of state. Really talking to my family. So there wasn't any support there. I was feeling pretty isolated. Why doesn't she talk to her family and say, okay, we don't talk and all, but, uh, I'm gonna have a baby in like 10 to 12 weeks. So we need to talk because I might go and kill it. You know, APs using this story to show a struggle for these women that have to go out of state to kill their babies. This is disgusting. Um, pretty, pretty panicky. Her name is Vial, close to Vial. I would call her V-I-A-L, Vial, Vile woman, vile human being. That's what she is. And according to AP, they say, they say that 200, 276,000 women go out of state to do these late-term abortions. I was housing insecure at the time. I, like, I had just started a job. I didn't have any support. I didn't have any health care. She's working, no health care. Vile didn't learn she was pregnant until she was 26 weeks. So her only abortion option was New Mexico. Disgusting. They said that they would be able to help me, but I had to get there before I turned 28 weeks. And so I had less than 10 days. Um, And they said that my procedure would cost about $10,500. Um, so they know who's going to pick them up. 
So abortion, uh, the abortion clinic sent her a bunch of paperwork, a family friend, but she had no contact with family. You know, we're helping her out with this. This is disgusting. It's not a decision to be made lightly because on top of, or like I didn't make it lightly um, because it was on top of a large um, emotional like turning point, like decision to make in my life. It was a large financial decision to make. So it was a large financial decision to make. And this is why she wanted to get rid of the baby because it would cost too much money. She had a new job. She couldn't afford that. She has a dog. She can't afford bringing another life and being, uh, you know, responsible to take care of it. So instead she decides to kill it and give these evil people. My gosh, God rest that child's soul. When I started to put my story out there, it's then people started reaching out to me. They're like, oh, I'm so glad you said, like, you're open about this because I went through something similar and I didn't, I've never known anyone else. This is right. So now she's a hero. This is disgusting. makes it worth it. Because if I can give back to people the one thing that I wanted more than anything when I was going through this, then my work is, then I'm done what I've set up to do. Like my work Her is done. evil work is done. That is disgusting. I couldn't even believe I was watching this. This is horrific and disgusting. And so we started off the show with something that'll just, anyone who values life, think about it, 26 weeks. <sighs> Babies at 26, and you know she was probably more far along than that. More far along than that. Babies, living human beings, a soul sucking his thumb or her thumb, kicking around, listening to music, you know, aware of the environment, just terminated. And what what what's more disgusting is, is that these people are unapologetic. So, you know, with the court hearing about uh, Planned Parenthood, where they sued David DeLeon and Sandra Merritt for their undercover um, operation revealed to us that they were literally selling baby parts. The STEM Expressio said in a courtroom that the company brokered fetal hearts, intact fetal heads to medical researchers. Uh, one of them is Aaron, uh, Eugene Gu, you know, the guy that was banned by President Trump, and then he took him to court for banning, uh, not banning him, blocking him on Twitter. And he was so upset that he took him to court and forced, uh, you know, the president to not uh, block him on Twitter, which I'm totally fine with. Um, any any person running for any position should not have the right to block constituents uh, from seeing their views. Anyone. So, these of uh, these two people, uh, Deladin and Merritt, they were defendants. Okay, defendants because they exposed all the nefarious and disgusting things Plant Parenthood and Stem Express would do, and they are part of this group called um, Center for Medical Progress. It's a bunch of citizen journalists, and they're dedicated um, to report medical um, ethics violations and advancements. Um, they, you know, that happen via violations or whatever. Now they're being charged. They're facing fourteen counts of felony. That is insane. How can you 
How can you sit here in the United States of America and punish people that expose the most disgusting and nefarious things ever? What's horrific is that some person, a representative, someone that worked at STEM Express, admitted in court, testified that the baby's head um, may have been attached to a body or could have been torn away at the time of procurement. Torn away. They tear them limb by limb in the womb and pull them out. This disgusting woman's voice that you heard from Portland, Oregon, that is now being paraded around as a champion for abortion, had her baby ripped apart. You know, actually, because she was probably more further along than 28 weeks, they probably induced birth. How disgusting is it to have your baby come out fully born and then kill it or sell it piece by piece? It makes me sick to my stomach, right? Makes me sick. Now, during these trials, right, this same person that said, oh, the baby's head might be torn away or it might be intact, also said that um, when she was asked um, if the uh, baby's head uh, being attached to the body uh, was something that they made sure it would stay intact, um they, you know, and are these photos correct where it's chopped off, where it's pulled off? You know, that individual actually said that those photos and videos that the couple had presented were a hundred percent true. What kind of judge sits on the bench to charge them with 14 felonies when they show the gross, disgusting, and barbaric actions of people who make money off of killing babies. I guarantee you her $10,500 came back to her tenfold. She sold that baby. Oh, it's disgusting. So uh, just so you know, on the first day of you know uh, them defending themselves, um, Delayden said, uh, Planned Parenthood abortion providers appeared under oath in court today, and they admitted supplying the body parts of children in the womb for profit brokers like STEM Express. STEM, remember I told you, pluripotent cells, stem cells. These are all necessary to advance research that people like Jeffrey Epstein gave billions of dollars to Harvard University and MIT and other uh, researchers to develop ways that they can live forever, forever, that they don't grow old and that they can merge with technology and become transhuman or whatever they want to be. This is disgusting. Now, in a video... Um, which was uh, provided by a whistleblower from the actual um, fetal tissue provider, STEM, STEM Express, says that the company would literally sh- get body parts shipped, shipped to them from Planned Parenthoods, and, and they knew that FedEx violates human tissue being you know, transported in the mail, but they still use Federal Express. Now... Um, what makes me sicker than anything is the fact that they were supplying uh, uh, beating fetal hearts, intact fetal heads to medical researchers. It is horrific to think, okay? Such gruesome events happen to innocent 
children, to innocent lives, to innocent babies, babies that didn't ask to come to this world, babies that just appeared and they have the whole world at their feet. They could be anyone. They could have dismantled the next president. They could have dismantled and torn apart a person that could cure cancer, HIV, whatever else we created ourselves. They could cure it. They could fix it. They destroyed them. And now we have, you know, obviously the left reporting that our federal taxes should pay for global abortions because they really need that fetal tissue. They really need those babies because other than that, they'll just have their regular cycle of life, which is, you know, what, 70 to 80 years and then they die and they don't want that. I mean, George Soros, what is he, like a thousand years old and has had, what, 20 heart transplants? Why does he get so many heart transplants? Don't you get on the list? The older you are, the lower on the list you are. Why does he suddenly get them all? These are things that we should be talking about. We should be bringing up. We should be throwing in their face, kind of like the hole in the ozone. Why aren't we burned to a crisp yet? I mean, 70s and 80s, they were all about that. I remember as a kid in the 80s, um, you know, I wanted to look like Madonna. So like I wanted to tease my hair and, you know, do the whole teasing of the hair. And apparently, you know, I couldn't use that um, spray uh, that was like, you know, in the can bottle because they that my mom used to use because now everything was pumped. So it would like dribble on there and it would give me white stuff like dandruff because it wasn't the hardcore aerosol spray, which are now back on our shelves because I guess the whole ozone thing, you know, didn't work out for them. That lie didn't work. So we should be throwing all these things out there and back at them. I mean, beating fetal hearts. Could you imagine? I mean, we don't even know if babies can understand what's going around. I mean, they do. Being a mother myself, I could tell you that when my, my eldest was born, she was um, a, a preemie and she was in an incubator and because she was so young, they had her on steroids and um, even though she cried at birth, she was sighing. So they just put her on a ventilator for like a, a couple of days just to make sure that, um, you know, it doesn't tire her out and it gives her body enough time to build up, right? So she doesn't have any, you know... Um, lung issues later on in life. And that's a risk, you know, for, um, a children born under, uh, 33 weeks, their lungs may not be fully developed. She was, she was super long for, (laughs) for her, um, age when she came out, she was like super long, had a lot of hair on her head. Um, so I remember hovering over her after the C-section, I woke up, my baby was gone. It was at some special, uh, you know, child. It was like at a research hospital of a university that worked with really, really small premature children. And this is the year 2000. So we didn't have the technology that we have now. And guess what? It was in Greece. And their technology is like way behind ours, right? Uh, So I was freaking out. I wake up and I'm like, I need to get out of here. So I drive um, an hour and a half like the mad person I am, uh, to get to where she is. And when I get to the incubator, first of all, she doesn't fit cause she's too long for the type of incubator they put her in. So her little feet are hanging over and, um, 
I just hung out with her. I mean, I wasn't able to feed her. She was pulling out um, her uh, IVs. So they actually had to shave her head like a Mohican and put it in the back of her head, uh, you know, like IVs and stuff. And um, so they had to like put these little barriers with like little towels that they would roll so she stops pulling stuff out. She's quite feisty. And this is like in the first hours of her life, right? And so... I could tell that she was uncomfortable because she would raise her lip like, uh, you know, I don't like this. And she was very aware. And I'm thinking, could you imagine a baby born, you know, younger, a little bit older than her to go and be sold, you know, to just be hacked and sold when, when they're so, you know, full of life and obviously aware of their surroundings. For me, it breaks my heart. Um, also on that note, I had, um, you know, when she finally came out of, uh, the NICU uh, three months later, right? Because she wasn't putting on weight, whatever. Um, I remember the child, uh, the resident child psychologist, my, my child was literally sleeping. She was lifting her leg, dropping her arm. Oh, she's going to be very social, very smart too. Probably. So I'm like, how did she get all this from a sleeping baby? Well, she was kind of right. Uh, except for the social part, unless she's on a video game. Okay. Um, she's like me. I guess she's going to bloom later. Cause I was just like her younger. I yapped, but only to the people I wanted to, I never did public things, um, and I was all about my video games back then and my um, uh, MIRC, you know, um, exchanging ideas and whatnot. So we are in a world right now, think about this, where we were discussing selling a, a human parts, beating hearts, killing children, innocent lives. This woman who was too fat to know she was pregnant could have stuck it out for five, six more weeks. I'm sure there's 20 million couples right now in the United States that would have said, girl, we'll pay you. We'll pay your hospital bills. We'll pay anything you want. Just keep that baby safe. We'll feed you. Just give us a baby when you're done. Don't kill it. Yet she chose not to. On that note, though, I want to say something that um, brought me to, you know, you know, like when you go ready to go to bed, you're kind of like saying your prayers, right? Well, so I was trolling Instagram instead of TikTok, because if I'm on TikTok scrolling things, I never go to bed. I just sit there, laugh and look at stuff. So I was on Instagram and I saw Fort Jackson's Instagram because, you know, my kid went to boot camp there. So I was subscribed to see, oh, will they put a picture of her? Guess what I saw, you guys? That this Sunday, even though we have so much evil going on, right? So much disgusting, 170 souls that are now part of the U.S. Army were baptized in the name of Jesus. And I'm thinking, glory to God, whoever he may be, 170 people that came in to fight for their country found faith in their trials and in their pursuit. And you know, what's weird. It's it rang so clearly. I remember my child sending me a letter and saying, Hey mom, could you like send me a Bible or something? I just want to be able to read it. Now we read, um, Bibles in my house. We have a bunch of, um, 
Bibles that uh, elaborate on the word, you know, Eastern Orthodox, Greek Orthodox, you know, commentaries on it, saint commentaries, whatever, as as leisure reading, for real. And I was kind of like, oh, okay, sure. I'll get you one sent from Amazon ASAP, which I did. And now it made sense to me. When people realize how strong they are and when they're put through trials, right? Uh, when they're going through boot camp and their feet hurt and they're trekking 15 miles with things on their back, dragging people as dead weight, uh, sleeping in foxholes, eating, you know, freeze dried or highly preserved, disgusting food, which you get to like uh, pineapple turnover was my favorite MRE um, and cookies and cream, which would be golden if you wanted to swap, you know. That's the time where you realize there's got to be something bigger than me. When you can achieve things you never thought you could. When you can accept things you never thought you could accept. So on that note, even though our country seems to be on a path to hell, because this has to be hell, the, the, only in hell would, would it be okay to sell a beating heart of a living human being without their consent because it came out of somebody's body. So... On that note, remember that almost every weekend, at least 170 souls are baptized. Guys, when I saw that, I was just like, wow. Obviously, there was a disclaimer from the PR saying all faiths are, you know, accepted, blah, blah, blah. But for me, it indicated that now, uh, you know, our soldiers, not only do they learn those people that defend us to push their limits and defend their country and learn all these skills they need for battlegrounds, but they learn to be spiritual and create this moral floor that only having faith in something bigger than you actually provides. Um, I will see you all in just a bit after this break. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our legal defense fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays cool and does not go flat. 
Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's one 800-961-9194, promo code Red State. Put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. You know, always uh, live uh, 12 to 2, unless I'm on vacation, traveling, or um, I don't know. That's it. <laughs> so only on Red State Talk Radio. So we talked about the horrific things that are, have that are occurring in our nation that no one wants to talk about, that are swept under the rug. But I also showed you a side of our people, our U.S. service members that a lot of people don't talk about because they find it, you know, conflicting, I guess. Um, but, you know, I'm, I've got Greek blood running in my veins, man. It's coffee, cigarettes, and talking politics, right? And politics for the Greeks also includes religion. So I'm, 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 all, I'm all good. Now, I wanted to shift to talk about something that is causing outrage, not just on the left, but on the right too, which I completely disagree with because for people that don't know what is really going on in Afghanistan, to flap their lips really irates me. But I have to, you know, just leave it because they really don't know and not a lot of people do. But what I have mentioned many, many times before is that Afghanistan is one of the leading providers of opioids that are required to create all these drugs. Let's just leave it there for now. Now, we've been at war, what, like 19 years there, supposedly war. Not everybody goes to war. And what most of the missions there are are to find people that own, operate, and mm, fund and give orders to members of a more rebellious uh, version of Afghanistan, which is the Taliban, which is pretty much a political party, let's just be honest. Uh, and people hate that when they hear it. It's kind of like, you know, someone calling over um, the president of the United States and Pelosi, who represents the rebels, right? The supposed insane leftist rebels. That's exactly what President Trump did when he went to Camp David. Remember when I said, um, 
Kind of weird, right? That he was going to go to Poland and then he cancels it and then he goes to Camp David. The only time you go there is when you have secret meetings or something's going on. And I said, something must be going on. He doesn't just go there for the hurricane to watch it. And indeed, he came out with it and he told the world why he was there. Because if it got out in a different way, it would seem like he was concealing it uh, when he wasn't. So what was he planning? What was he planning? He was planning to meet with leadership, you know, government leadership of Afghanistan and the Taliban. And this meeting was because they came to some reasoning of what peace can look like there, how we can leave without creating this, what they, what do they call that thing? A vacuum, right? But without leaving them like high and dry and, um, you know, pretty much making all those lives lost there over the past 19 years worth nothing. So on Saturday, he said that he was canceling negotiations uh, with um, Afghani uh, leaders and the Taliban that was scheduled um, to happen at Camp David. Now, the reason he's doing it is because the Taliban actually um, orchestrated a car bombing that actually uh, that killed one of our um, own soldiers. And. I want people to understand culture a little bit. We've talked about this so many times. It's like I say, how come we're bringing Somalis and Kenyans and these people that are supposedly in need? First of all, they're all Muslims and they're not being kicked out of there. It's the Christians. But anyway, um, we're bringing them here and we expect them to assimilate, expect them to culturally change you can't do you can't even do that to me i've served my country i was raised in new york city i was a city rat always am in the heart you know traveled the world and you still can't take the greek out of me you're gonna take the machete yielding non-respecting women type somali to you know you're gonna take that out of them you're not they were raised like that where daddy would beat mommy where daddy would walk down the street at the market and if someone looked at him sideways he would yield his machete because that guy was lower class than him and he could do that or because they were christian or because they were too light-skinned or they were super african or whatever that means because somalis hate africans okay even though they're from africa whatever so how are you gonna take out the culture you can't same thing with these Afghanis. This is, okay, let's shoot back to where the plague happened, okay? I'm going to take you, you're going to be like, what are you talking about, Tori? Plague, yes. So why did we get suddenly sick and Europe died? You know, everyone was dropping like flies with this plague that was going on. Because the people of the East, which included Afghanis, Mongolians, whatever, suddenly bum-rushed the West, okay, bum-rushed. They didn't like, oh, here's a family coming, you know, three months later they make it here. No, they bum-rushed, meaning they came to raid us. And they were all what? Afghanis and Mongolians, they came down really swift to Europe. And what happens with that? They have their own bacteria, their own viruses that they are immune to, but we are not. So what happened? Boom. We get infected because we don't have the innate defenses 
they did from being exposed to it. And genetically, the people of that region were able to, to, to weed out those kids that couldn't sustain it would be dead. So this is what happened here, right? On the, on the West. I'm talking here as in West. Well, this is how they operate. The way that they force themselves upon people, uh, you know, uh, Tajikistan, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, Afghanistan, Turkmenistan, Mongolia, you know, Eastern, Eastern, Eastern Russians, Western, Western, Western Chinese is by showing you and demonstrating you the force they have. So, uh, you know, say I am a leader in Afghanistan and you are an American and you want to talk peace. I don't want you to think I'm weak. So I'm going to like in front of you, snap one of your own necks. See, I do this in my sleep and I have no problem and I'm fine. Plop goes the body. And you're like, whoa, I'm supposed to terrify you. So it was normal. In the minds of the Taliban, it was completely normal for them to orchestrate this car bomb to demonstrate and flex their muscle to us and say, look, don't think you're in power because we're coming to meet with you. Just so you know, we're just as vicious. So just because our fruity, you know, um, discussions here with the leaders of Afghanistan to kind of find a common ground does not mean that we are weak. That is what happened. Okay. That's exactly what happened. And this is something that the Trump cabinet should have foreseen if he had the right people. Because let's pretend I was on his cabinet. I'd have been like, yo, if you're meeting with them, you need to find some middle ground and give them assurances that you fully respect them. It does not show weakness. It'll be like, yo, I get it. You guys are in control there. And I want my people there. You don't want my people there. Let's chit chat. Instead, we probably had someone like Bolton say, yeah, you come here and we need to end this because then we'll crush you. Don't say that that's not what you do so if i was in his cabinet i'd be like yo okay so if they're coming they're probably going to stage something because from experience i can say that when you're negotiating with that kind of side they will be oh yeah let's talk and then next thing you know they sabotage your talk just to show you the leader that hey just because we're talking doesn't mean we're not powerful Okay, so this is this is what happened. And so because of that, President Trump was like, listen, just because they did that, you know, we can't talk to them. Cabinet probably like, what are you talking about? They're on their way. We can't like, nope, nope, nope. They just did it to show. No, then we didn't do the negotiations right. We can't talk about peace with people that are not candid and open and ready to come to the table. See, people like the Afghanis and people like the Somalis and people like, you know, you know, that are so um, enraged in, in, in peeing on the tree. It's like a peeing contest. You know how dogs, one will pee on the tree and then the other one will come behind and pee on it. They felt like our nation just peed all over the grand tree. So they were like, hey, psst, I'm going to spray this tree just to show you that I'm coming, but it doesn't mean I won't cover up your mark. Okay. This is what went wrong. And he said, no, we just didn't do it right. And that's it. We wanted to stop these endless wars, but it's not happening because we're not negotiating right. And that's because he has people that have, and I'm using air quotes, experience, but they're not culturally attuned. They're all talking, oh yeah, but we have access to this and this. No, man, it comes down to the basics. Bottom line is we're dealing with human beings. They do not shift, change, or mold to anything different. 
when it comes down to dealing with people that are terrorists, you have to think like a terrorist. You have to think, why are they, you know, motivated to do this? Bottom line. What is the bottom line? Were they spoon fed this at day zero when they came out of their mama's womb? What is the what is inside their core that will, you know, motivate them? The minute you learn that, then you're both naked at the table because you are naked at your core. And you're like, listen, man, I don't want to spend my country's money. That's the bottom line for me. And that would be the bottom line for any smart leader. We should stop spending money. These opioids, you know why they did this, right? I'm going to tell you straight. Pharmaceutical companies don't want us out of there. They need someone to cover their butts when they're creating all this oxy and they're bringing it into our country. Fentanyl, bring it into our country. That is why it's all about money. Taliban are so dumb. But again, the Taliban are mercenaries. Mercenaries, though, with a semi-cause. See, mercenaries don't have a cause. Their only cause is money. The Taliban have a cause and it, their cause is being exploited with money. Makes sense? So they're not really, they're, they're, they're soft mercenaries or visco, like visco girls. So they're visco mercenaries. You know, it's like save the turtles, have a, you know, ban the straws. But, you know, everything else does nothing for the environment. They fly in jets. So kind of like the Taliban. They're like visco type mercenaries. So President Trump decided that he's calling off all peace negotiations with them uh, because, you know, they did that. And, and that is a problem, you know, and he tweeted out unbeknownst to almost everyone, the major Taliban leaders and separately, the president of Afghanistan were going to secretly meet with me at Cape Di- Camp David on Sunday. And he said that because the Taliban leaders admitted to the attack in Kabul, where it killed a U.S. service member, a Romanian as well, and 10 civilians near the U.S. embassy in Kabul, he called it off. They were trying, listen to what he says, they were trying to build false leverage. What did I say? In their blood, you know, they are culturally accustomed to show that even if you're negotiating, you are strong and you are not of weakness. Kind of like the Chinese are doing now with trade, even though they have no cards whatsoever, uh, except for the cards of let's hope 2020 somebody else wins. Can we like slot Hillary back in, please? And European Union, um, help us out here. So they really have nothing. The Taliban don't have anything except for what? They just don't fight fair. And that's what happens with savages and people that are accustomed to so much money because the negotiation would have been like, what do you mean destroy the poppy fields? That's the major income for Afghanistan. Are you insane? Well, you're going to have to do it. You're going to have to do it because that is the only way that we will find peace if we can eradicate, you know, the source that is harming not just American citizens, but globally, we're making people drug addicts. All it takes is for a kid to get a wisdom tooth out sometimes. Did you know that statistics say that one in three kids that gets a wisdom tooth out and gets oxycodone gets addicted? Because it's a genetic thing. Um, And see, my dad told me that. You know what my dad told me when I left? When I was leaving for boot camp, he said, listen, you're going out there and, you know, you're going to experiment things in your life. I want you to do me one favor. 
don't have sex. <laughs> Do me a few favors. Here. Don't have sex with someone if you're going to be devastated if they don't call you the next day. Because that'll men are men are disgusting, and we only think of one thing. And then the other thing he said was, don't ever touch anything opioid based, heroin or whatever. And this is a man who's not a scientist. And I was like, okay, dad, well, zero tolerance. He's like, listen, you might go to a party or whatever. You could try cocaine. You could try every, do not touch anything opioid waste. That we know as Greeks changes your physiology and you can't, you know, just, you can't get away from it. You will always be an addict if you try it. Like, whatever. Okay. So those were the two words of advice my father gave me at the young age of 16 when I left home. Uh, you know, I had already finished high school and I had college credits too, by the way. And he gave me those two pieces of advice and they were right. Because I don't know how he knew this, but heroin indeed opioid based because heroin is opioid based, right? actually doesn't change so much your chemistry, but it activates a portion of your genetic code that makes you prone to changing your feedback cycles of pleasure in your brain. And this is why you become addicted. A sports injury for a child, they get on oxy because it's super painful and I get it. And suddenly, you know, they can't get off it. I remember my, my child, when she had her front teeth busted out, how painful is that guys? Where it's like half the tooth, it's exposed nerves. It's painful. She has to go under all this. And the, first of all, the dentist that was fixing her teeth uh, said, okay, so we're going to give her this. And I was like, nope, you're going to use nitrous oxide. You're not going to use anything opioid based. You're going to do this. And my husband was like, what? She's going to be in pain. I was like, no, she's going to be laughing. She's going to be fine. We, and then afterwards, we're just going to give her 800 milligrams of, you know, anti-inflammatories uh, constantly. And we're going to pump her with vitamin C to help her body. She does not need op opioids at all. And if she definitely needs pain medication, let's do tramadol because it binds on opioid receptors, but doesn't change your physiology as such. But either way, they still control that. I don't know. So this was me as a mom, you know, what I thought based on the things that my dad told me, because now we're seeing that the evidence is there for what other people knew without evidence, right? But I guess you could see it from experience, right? When you see a friend of yours that um, tried heroin or you see a friend of yours that tried Oxy and suddenly they're drug addicts and you're just like, what happened? Well, I guess they were just genetically prone. It is a, a, a mental health disease because it changes the way your brain does feedback processes. So this is what we're fighting, you guys, in Afghanistan. I don't think people understand this one portion. There's some other stuff where you got to put on your tinfoil hats for it. But this is one portion. They control the opioid industry. And so even though President Trump is a president of peace, a president that wants to stop bleeding money in Afghanistan. Right now, he can't negotiate. So the question is, what do we? where do we go from here? Like, what do we do? Do we just go there and just annihilate? Like, what do we do? That's a very good question. And that's a question that I don't know how this administration wants to answer and how they want to tackle it. Because I know Pakistan wants to help, but they're busy in Kashmir doing their thing. And, you know, I know that Russia wants to help, but, you know, they're just like, you know, you know, President Trump, we should hook up on this and talk like we are in Syria. But, um, you know, everyone's going to be like Russia collusion. So it's kind of hard. So how do we fix this? I mean, I know China wants to help, but China's making a ton of money, 
buying opioids from them. So, like, you know, they they actually have opium, you know, um, you know how they have argiles, um, so they have, like, smoke things in the Middle East, you know, where it's, like, big bongs and you just smoke tobacco. Well, they have opioid-type bong cafes that are hidden in the back roads in China as well. So it's, like, a huge market for the Chinese, too. So it's not like the Chinese want to go there. And either way, we're fighting with tariffs. So, you know... President Xi could be like, well, you know, you want to help on this? Maybe if we could discuss this, maybe we'll help on this, you know? So it's a really, really tough spot that we're in. And, you know, what people don't seem to fathom is why are so many countries in Afghanistan? I mean, you hear U.S. servicemen, Romanian. Huh? I didn't know Romania had troops there. Many of you are sitting there thinking, "Mm, really? Yeah, Albania has troops there. Albania? Do they have money to send troops? That's the thing. People aren't asking these questions. These are the questions you should ask. Okay, what is going in Afghan? What is going on in Afghanistan? Why are we at war? One person to come out and say, "Here's why we're at war." Boom. This is the main reason. Other stuff, tinfoil hat stuff. Other stuff, simple logistics. But why aren't people asking questions? Because they don't care. They don't care. Because they're told to tell you not to care. You have CNN with their amazing CNN geography telling you because they they actually placed Iraq. (laughs) Flanking Czech Republic to the West once on TV. So anyway, they won't tell you, oh, you know, we're at war because of this. Oh, we're at war because of this. We're at war because of this. Nobody's telling you why we're at war. When are Americans going to say, all right, hold on a second. We're bleeding money. We got our soldiers there. People are dying. We've got whole cities with U.S. troops and foreigners hanging out on the outskirts of Kabul and all these places and near Islamabad to the north. I mean, like, why isn't anyone saying, all right, can you tell us why we're at war for 19 years? Like, what are we really fighting? Because the excuse was, ooh, Osama bin Laden. And we'll get to that later. Osama bin Laden, you know, that guy that was part of the CIA, but then he was responsible for all these um, supposed planes that went into a steel tower and cut through it like butter. You know, that one was there. So we got in there and now we've been fighting ever since. Okay, so he's supposedly dead. So why are we still there? Yeah, so Osama bin Laden, that's where the record starts again. These are questions that people need to be asking their representatives. Answer me this, riddle me this, why are we at war? I mean, I can't tell you guys everything, but I can tell you that they got the biggest poppy farms on the planet and that, you know, big companies, Bayer, Glasgow, you name it, then they make pharmaceuticals, they're in it. They got interests. So money is money derived from opioid production is one key element. So again, ask the question. Send your senator or your congressperson email. Hey, tell me, why are we at war in Afghanistan? One reason, just let me know as a taxpayer. That's all I want to know. Tell me, explain it to me, how it started. Uh, Don't give me the Osama story because, you know, stuff just dropped on Friday that we were discussing kind of all over the weekend about Mueller and Osama. Don't give me the Osama tears, okay, and the version. I want the raw version. I want the real version. I want to know what's going on. Because, see, what people don't understand is that the Taliban are affecting Pakistan. The Taliban are affecting um, 
uh, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, there, uh, Turkmenistan. And remember, I told you guys just a couple weeks ago, Turkey has now taken over the Taliban schools and they're working with the Taliban. So we got Turkey in the mix here. So the question everybody's, everybody's mouth should be voicing to the administration is, all right, we get that you wanted to like figure out what's going on, but can you like tell us what you guys are going to talk about? Like, why are we there? Key questions. See, that is the problem with people that talk politics, you know, and I see them on the left and on the right where they're like, oh, my God, how dare he like talk with terrorists? Wait a minute. Do you know why we're at war? Why are you calling them terrorists? And especially when you know that the Bush administration let that terrorist supposedly go. A terrorist that served in our intelligence community. So again, before people flap their lips, the question is, do you know why we are at war in Afghanistan? Obviously not. Because you're flapping your lips. And those of us that do aren't able to really talk about it. So what I'm telling you about the poppy fields is stuff you can find on mainstream media around the surrounding nations of Afghanistan that kind of build the story and tell it to their people and why they're afraid and what's going on. Unfortunately for us, we don't have that. We don't have a government that's like, that's being held accountable. And you're going to be like, what Pakistan holds, you know, Imran Khan accountable? Kinda, not really, but kinda. I mean, especially when you got us troops all over Islamabad, you know, I, Nah, uh, yeah, okay, I've been to Islamabad, and I was a patient there, you know, and they treat Americans really well, but it's because they know that they're trying to help make sure that whatever it is stays contained there, and you know what they want to stay contained? Poppy fields and farming poppy. They don't need that stuff in Pakistan because, you know, they don't want to do that. They don't treat every single human being in their country like disposable waste because that's what the Afghanis do. They've got the, it's, it's kind of like a big wage gap like you have in China, the really, really working class, the low working class, and then you have the elites. And then there's that middle group that can swing, you know, either up or down that you're kind of iffy on, but you don't really support, but you pretend to, to give hope to the lower class, which basically just do your bidding. I'll see you guys in just a bit after this break. Well, we'll um, pick up 9-11, Mueller. Uh, we've got tons to talk about. Uh, capsized boats off the coast and Brexit. See you all in just a bit. Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic. Unfiltered news.
Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So, um, in the first hour, we talked about atrocious things, some things that are good for our nation that are happening that we don't know about, and we talked about the Taliban. And um, I hope that many of you have uh, learned um, to question things from that. And many of you are asking these questions. And I hope some of you even emailed your congressperson or Senate reps and said, yo, can you just tell me why we're at war? I mean, please don't give me the spiel on Osama bin Laden. So this next half hour, I want to talk about Brexit. And um, it's really important that we as Americans support any nation looking to liberate itself or any group of people seeking to liberate themselves. Um, again, like I say, in Hong Kong, you know, they're asking the U.S. to intervene. Can we? No, we can't. But we can show them that if they leave, we will support. And our president is trying to do that lightly without what what one would consider meddling. Um, it's a very thin line, you know, that you have to balance. And right now, um, the remainers are really aggressive on it. Uh, there is a huge um, resistance uh, from people because they want to remain because they're uneducated and don't understand what being part of the European Union is. What they think about is, damn it, I can't drive, you know, under the tunnel and go to France and and buy cheap wine and cigarettes and then drive back. I won't be able to easily go to Holland or Norway or wherever they want to go, right? I won't be able to have cheap flights. You know, I won't be able to have cheap travel. I won't be able to go find a job and live in, you know, Bulgaria for a year because I fancy it. No, you can. It'll just be different. It won't be like, you know, you're going from England to Scotland. It'll be like you're going from England to the United States. Uh, uh, that's basically it. The way it used to be where you'd get stamps on your passport, you know, um, I was actually uh, looking uh, through paperwork this weekend uh, to put together because like I said, next summer I'm going to be going to China and I was looking for my youngest daughter's passport that's expired because I need to renew it. And I stumbled upon my very first passport guys, my very first one, the picture in it is like baby photos. You know, actually I'll take pictures of the stamps and just upload them. I had so many stamps, like nobody's business. That is so cool. And you know, I think I've told you this whenever I drive over to Canada, I ask them to stamp my password because uh, I just want stamps. It was kind of something really cool back then because it was um, kind of like hey, you know, I traveled here and this is my memory at least. You know, back then we didn't have digital cameras or Facebook or Instagram, you know, to kind of like, you know, save those in the cloud, which uh, let's be honest, can be deleted with one simple keystroke. But having said that, um, stamps are cool. Stamps are showing that you were accepted into that nation. You went there, you traveled, you did your little thing and came back. Um, so I will actually upload some of those pictures. It was so cute and so awesome. I was just like, oh, and I looked so cute too. I look super cute. Um, that photo was of me. I think it was like maybe a couple days old because I flew out um, right after I was born. So family 
you know, can help because my grandparents couldn't come to the U.S. because that's like a cultural thing, right? Where your parents kind of just like move in and they like co-parent. That's like the best thing. And you know, I'm not a keeping up with the Kardashians thing at all. I've never watched it. Um, the only time I've actually watched it throughout the years that they've been playing is when there's nothing on and it's like that secret indulgence. Like I would never admit to anyone and I'm admitting it now though on air that I'm watching the Beverly Hills 90210 revamp. I'm totally watching it. But you know, we all have like these secret cringeful things and that's one of them but one thing I can say is that uh, yesterday while I was um, on Twitter I saw that the keeping up with the Kardashians start again and they were talking about co-parenting and I was like what happened to that what happened to family unity I mean at least they're bringing that back right they can't be all that bad when they're bringing back family unity drama within families and like sharing uh, you know uh, raising your child with your family where they bring their kids I was looking at tweets I didn't watch it but they were like, oh, it's so great when we have like family parties and our kids all play together. Yeah, family is awesome. And having your family by you is awesome. But anyway, let's get back to Brexit. Let's take a listen to how Sky News in Australia is talking about how Johnson won't back down on Brexit. Take a listen. Says he'll die in a ditch before delaying Brexit again. Based on the last 24 hours, he certainly won't die wondering what he could have done to save the October 31 deadline he's promised. Reports in the British press overnight say the government is now going to challenge the new law to delay Brexit that Labour and Remainer Conservatives have forced upon Boris. He sacked over 20 of them from the whip. Now he will refuse to resign, even if he loses a vote of no confidence. And he'll apparently stay in Downing Street and go to the Supreme Court to challenge the delay. Wow. I mean, by Friday, we were all thought his best laid plans were in big trouble. Plan A was to stand down Parliament early and deliver his vision for the nation in the Queen's speech. Then go to Brussels to strike a deal armed with his threat of a no deal on the table. Deal or no deal, Britain would leave Europe on Halloween. Standing down or proroguing Parliament meant less time for the Remainer quizlings in the Tory party to plot against him. But last week... He lost his majority in Parliament. He lost his first three votes as a PM. Parliament then stripped him of his crucial no-deal leverage in Brussels and ordered him to go back to Europe and ask for yet another delay to withdrawal to January the 1st, 2020, or worse, such later time Brussels might suggest. So he then tried for a snap election on October 15, but that was voted down. He needed a two-thirds majority. He's trying again tomorrow for an early election. Election, but the same result looks inevitable. But Boris refuses to back down. Can you make a promise today to the British public that you will not go back to Brussels and ask for another delay to Brexit? Yes. And. Okay, before he answers that question, how annoying is her voice? Those are the types of voices that I cannot stand. Having lived in England for a very long time, I could tell you, when a woman would talk to me with that pitch, I would definitely turn off, you know, if any offense is taken, I really don't care. I really, uh, sorry. And would you rather, rather I'd rather be dead in a ditch. So you would resign first, Prime Minister, rather than go and ask for that delay. Look, I just don't, I I really, it costs a billion pounds a month. It achieves absolutely nothing. What on earth is the point of a further delay? 
Now, in the Labour camp, leader Jeremy Corbyn does not want an early election. Even his own MPs think he would lose. A chlorinated chicken, the free-trading Boris labelled Jeremy Corbyn, and here he is in the sun. Now, this whole thing is a game of chicken, however. Labour knows it would lose an early election, yes, but Labour also thinks that if Boris fails to deliver on October 31, then Brexiteer Conservatives would desert the party because he's broken his promise. So, for Camp Boris, what are the options? Well, if he can't get an early election, he could call a vote of no confidence in his own government. Yes, the clock then ticks for 14 days for anyone else to form a government, perhaps a coalition of Labour, the SDP. But would the sacked Tories, which Labour would probably need, vote Corbyn, knowing they would be deselected in their own Tory seats? On the other hand, if Corbyn could form a government, might that fire up the silent Brexit majority for a November general election? The thing is, in that case, Boris would need Nigel Farage and his Brexit party, even if that means holding the Prime Minister's nose. Overnight, Farage, who's been waiting for this moment, put his offer on the table. He wants Tory candidates to stand down in Labour-held seats in the North, Brexit land, giving the Brexit party candidates a free reign. In return, he'd stand down some of his 600 candidates where they might split the Leave vote. We've got 630 candidates on the approved list, vetted, raring to go. I've been out around the country talking to them today. We are ready. We're organised, we're funded, we're ready to go. Well, these are the protests outside Parliament on Saturday. Elephant traps are everywhere, not to mention mention the most wily operator of all, the Remain-leaning Speaker of the Commons, who has bent many outcomes. No one knows what will happen next. Britons now identify themselves as Remainers or Brexiteers ahead of party loyalties. Even the PM's own brother and one of his ministers, Joe Johnson, a Remainer, has resigned, splitting the Johnson family. But as I say, Boris is not going to die wondering. So if you want Brexit sorted out before October the 31st, then please ask your MP to vote on Monday so that you can have your say on who goes to Brussels to sort this out. Huh. So Brexit. So what concerns me here is that people aren't seeing the bigger picture. And so I actually am mailing off via airmail. You remember those little airplanes uh, to 10 Downing Street, an open letter that I've already emailed and faxed to 10 Downing Street and posted on social media. And I'd like to read it to you because this is exactly what is happening. So my letter starts, Dear Prime Minister Johnson, as a wife of a British citizen having lived in England myself, I felt compelled to send a letter of encouragement during this stressful time with the Brexit deadline looming. 243 years ago, a group of people that declared themselves a country were up in arms because their leaders were pushing to leave a union that offered them financial stability and protection. That union had provided them stable trade and leaving it put them at risk of catastrophic financial consequences. Some leaders of that country didn't share that vision. They didn't want to leave the union and they went against the ones in leadership that did. Benedict Arnold's. Though the visionary leaders struck them down to succeed what they knew was best for their people, you know, fired them all kind of like Boris. One leader led the group. 
wishing to leave a redundant system that only led to more poverty, less freedom, and gave him less independence to lead his people in the best possible way. Most of the inhabitants of the country were torn. Almost 50-50, leave or remain. The richest people were demanding to remain, and the poorest, with nothing to lose, were the most loyal to vision of an independent country by leaving the costly stability the union provided. Many were condemning and ridiculing the man that led that movement. What kind of man? would so recklessly take such a risk with the livelihoods of so many people on a pipe dream of a more prosperous and independent country outside of the Union. George Washington was that man who in 1776 broke free of a Union that didn't suit the people that he was elected to lead. It's your turn, Prime Minister. It's your turn to leave a Union that does not offer you protection and that causes your nation's economy more harm than good. Be proud of your country and allow the British to once again excel on the global platform as an individual nation that dictates its own economy, its own laws, and its own standards as it has done for over a thousand years. All of us rebellious Americans send you our messages of support and strength as a reminder that what you are doing has been done before and it was successful. Best wishes, United States of America, the magnificent product of leaving a union that wasn't working for us. Basically, what he's trying to do is take his country out of this organization that was created over 50 years ago because it's not working for them. And it's not working for the fishermen in northern England and on the eastern coast and on the western coast. It's not working for them. It's not working for their medical system. It's not working for their property, um, you know, industry. It's not working for anyone. They are no longer British. I mean, you know, you could say that happened a long time ago. Yeah, it, it did. I mean, their national food is curry. <laughs> Uh, you know, um, but that's because they owned India, didn't they? They own that portion of, uh, the, you know, the world because the crown is a huge organization. And I urge you to do your homework and see that it is indeed a business. So when people start attacking president Trump, Oh my gosh, you're like, you know, uh, treating the United States like a business. Um, cause it kind of is, but what we need to see is that Brexit, is all about that. You find the richest people shoving down your throat the most stupidest things ever. We must remain because this. No, it's because you get rich, we get poorer, and the gap is bigger. So in the end, we're just slaves. That's the thing. This is why they promote technology where you're going to be using your face to pay for things. This is why they promote chipping people so they can track you. Because, see, I'm rich. I don't really have to worry about stuff. So I don't really care because I'm part of the group. So chip me. But everybody else doesn't want to be chipped because they want to have an equal and fair opportunity to advance. But, you know, that gap will happen. That dystopia we watch on, you know, in movies, you know, will happen if we continue on that course. Mm. For example... 
Yes, uh, no, this morning, ABC News, Good Morning America, had Stephanopoulos and, and two other clown chicks chit-chatting on, oh my gosh, you know, this, 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 this. And I'm going to play a clip uh, about the four missing after the cargo ship um, capsizes after speaking of ships. We'll touch base on the conception again. And um, <laughs> there they are, the ones promoting, now we should like totally ban straws, but there they are with straws in their cups right in front of all of America. Yet they support no straws <laughs> kind of like Kamala Harris yeah we need to curb beef kind of like Cory Booker everybody gotta be vegan but they're all eating burgers so mm, or pork cutlets standing up in front of food trucks the bottom line is the people that want to remain in unions and in trade deals that are dictated by those that have f- fat pockets are the ones that want to maintain their slaves that's all you have to remember Slaves, when they came over, I know in the movies they show them getting whipped, getting sold. They were, indeed. But when they actually got to the plantation and, you know, their masters um, started to see them as people because they were people, things changed, you know. They all had quarters, not as nice as the master who was getting his feet rubbed and milk baths drawn and stuff, right? But, you know, they were cleaning, they were gardening, they were farming, they were doing all the labor while he sat. What's the difference? When I call someone to clean my house, it's a job. So basically, it was a job with lower pay because you weren't entitled to get a better job with better pay. You see how slavery works? It's no different than what we have now. People are like, oh, you know, we need to abolish. How are you going to abolish slavery? Slavery is a concept. Okay, a concept that some people don't deserve to come out from where they are, a concept that some people aren't smart enough or aren't the good genetic pool to be able to leap and command people or address people in some way. Because, you know, when you think of slavery, people don't seem to understand There was the house slave, right, who was the boss. He had a nice cushy bed. Maids wouldn't make his bed. And yet he'd be the one whipping the slaves, right? And you'd be like, oh, he was a house, blah, 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 right? No, he was just supposedly more... Um, I would say favored to get a better job. And this is the struggle we will always have. And it's not just about color, Okay, this is about the casties. This is about social, you know, um, groups. This is like in high school where you have the cool kids that are super dumb, but they have tons of money and nice, nice clothes and they make all the other kids feel like nothing. And that is how you create these social factions. And so we have all these clowns on TV, all these idiots in office telling us how we should be, yet they're not doing it. Kind of like the way Tucker Carlson last week kind of said, you know, Father Pete was telling us how the climate and this, 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 yet he's flying around in a private jet. And I want to know how a mayor can afford a private jet. Okay. Nobody's asking that question. Whoa, you're a mayor. Yeah. You deserve a private jet. You could say he's got a lot of campaign funds. How does that? I don't even want to get into it. The bottom line is what Brexit is about is slavery. Okay. Slavery. Because these nations that have all unified and gotten under one rule where people that don't have names don't have, you know, their, their names on doors are dictating regulations and laws for people that never elected them, but they know best. 
And those of them that are just simple farmers or, you know, just got a high school education and are waiters aren't worth anything. They're just slaves to them because they are not to advance. They shouldn't advance. They shouldn't enter the ranks. It's kind of like, you know, when someone marries outside of money, right? Why would you, you know, marry a poor girl? How dare you? Our family is embarrassed. It's all about social, you know, bottlenecking and keeping the standard supposedly high, kind of like, you know, eugenics where, you know, all those people in Africa that can, can make babies because, you know, they, they're not infertile, probably because they don't get the vaccines everybody else gets, you know, that mercury, <laughs> that nasty mercury can do a lot of damage to your body, you know, because it's not supposed to be in there in the first first place but the bottom line is this is it brexit is literally trying to ensure that their nation can dictate their economy dictate their direction dictate their development dictate their advancement basically and break up this socialism and how is it these monopolies they're popping up in europe like crazy one phone company that owns 10 of them one tv company that owns all of them you know, one insurance company that owns all of them. It'd be like, oh, I have like first, uh, I don't know, East London insurance. And yet when you get your documents, it says Allianz Group. <laughs> it's like, it's all Allianz. So this is how so- socialism kicks in. And this is how you segregate the casties um, and create this gap, this huge gap between people. And, you know, it's normal. One will say, well, it's normal. You know, if you're a hamburger flipper, it's because you didn't want to do your education. Yeah. And it's your choice, but it shouldn't be forced upon you. So if that hamburger flipper gives birth to a child, that child should be able to be a CEO tomorrow, but not according to them. That child is a hamburger flipper child. They should stay there. That's the thing. The difference between socialism and capitalism, right, is that the hamburger flipper's kid will never have the opportunity to put in hard work, study hard, and contribute to society to make it up so they can have whatever they want. No, no, no. In socialism, it's like, you're the hamburger flipper's child. You can be top hamburger flipper, but you can't be CEO of this tech company. I don't care how good your ideas are. Oh, you have an idea? You can file the patent and we'll sell it. And, you you know, good on you. Thumbs up. You know, stealing other people's work. That's totally normal, too. It's kind of like we saw with Tesla and stuff. But, yeah, that was social casty things. But... You know, that's history that we don't want to talk about. And so when, when, when you think of Brexit, I want you to remember that we had our own Brexit from Britain, which was 1776. People were insanely upset that we were leaving Britain. Insanely that we were leaving the crown. How dare we? They're giving us trade. We're getting tea. We're getting gold. We're doing spices. And then how are we going to survive? We're going to survive. Don't worry about it. What do you care? Do you want to have their rules, their taxes, their owning how am i going to govern you if i have to follow their rules they're the ones making the rules and you guys didn't elect them and then i have to implement them and then you're like why are you implementing this it's not what we want well the crown says so so 
And this is exactly what's going on in England. The fishermen were like, what's going on? We used to fish there for like a thousand years. Well, I'm the the 10th generation cod fisherman here. And now they're telling me that Denmark owns those waters. What's going on? Well, you know, I elected you. You're supposed to be protecting me and my legacy. Oh, yeah. But, you know, the European Union has dictated. I don't care what they, I didn't elect them. Well, um, yeah. So what do you say to that constituent? Oh, yeah. Mm. So then what's the point of electing you clown? Why am I electing you if you have no say and you're just implementing what other people say? That is exactly what's going on. And this is how it is in America too. We're electing all these people and we're like, Hey, don't do this. We don't like this. Yeah. Well, the trans Pacific partnership says, Oh yeah. You know, uh, the NAFTA agreement says, and they just shrug and you're like, what the, no, why, why is, why is Germany telling us where we can sell carrots? Why is, why is, um, you know, Mexico telling us that we can't export oranges south and we got to send them over the Pacific? Like, why aren't we having our lumber yards operate and we're buying wood from China? It doesn't make sense. And they just shrug and they're like, NAFTA, hey, hey. And you're just like, what? No. And this is what the president is fixing for the British, for the British. It's a lot more involved because what they're scared of and what they're terrorizing people with is we're going to have no trade. We're not going to have avocados anymore. We're not going to have strawberries, no French cheeses anymore. No, you're going to have it because we're going to give it to them. And there's going to be bilateral agreements individually with countries to get trade. And it'll be bumpy at first, but it'll make it because they've got supporters. And that's how we make change. By knowing that there are risks, but having faith that good intentions will always prevail. Uh, So after this break, we're going to talk a little bit 9-11 capsized boats in the conception to end this show. See you all in just a bit. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa. Play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for MyPillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. MyPillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable MyPillow is with its patented interlocking fill. MyPillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. MyPillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. MyPillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. MyPillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800 
800-961-9194. Promo code Red State. Put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit mypillow.com. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So in this last half hour, I want to talk about um, 9-11 because it's going to be really big this week. Um, and it already started, and it's kind of like a soft push. Uh, and I want to talk about uh, the boat capsizing and four people missing and kind of revisit the conception. But first, I want to... Um, read some tweets of the president. So first of all, uh, you know, Chrissy Teigen was disgusting, of course, moon-faced, pedo, John Legend, and uh, Chrissy Teigen. And when I say pedo, just so you understand, there are tweets that I've saved as well that, you know, even Chrissy Teigen herself, and I've talked about this before, mentioned that John Legend likes having sex with children under 13 because there's nothing like it. I mean, it's disgusting. And she said that she had public sex with Obama on an interview. So these are disgusting people discussing and she's such a slob too when she was talking about it she was like oh my gosh i got this new couch and oh gosh i dropped pasta and she's sitting there videotaping herself slurping pasta oh my gosh anyway um because president trump was the one that pushed forward prison reform he pushed the you know first step act he pushed all this because you know the clintons Highest rate in black incarceration. Obama, highest rate in black unemployment. And under Trump, highest rate in black employment. It all has to do with color. Again, you know, they're still sticking by that old notion of slavery, you know, where the color depicts because... What difference does it make, right? Like she said, oh, yeah, they're both black people. Who cares? Remember that? What the... Oh, they all look the same. They all look the same. No, they don't. That was disgusting. And, you know, the media, instead of being the media, uh, were her PR people excusing what she said. It was horrific. Now, another outrage, fake outrage, because we see a lot of this fake outrage, the Sharpie gate, and it's like clowns, you know, with your stupid geography. You know, I wrote an article over the weekend where it was like, totally, I enjoyed writing it. I was laughing called CNN. It was talking about CNN geography. And I've put all the screenshots of every single time CNN has totally messed up geography, like Cambodia in Africa, Greece in Africa, Cyprus is Sicily, you know, Iraq is in Europe, Afghanistan is somewhere. <laughs> they don't even know. Queensland is Tanzania. I mean, guys, it's, it's, it's incredible. I've, I posted it through Laura Loomer's page. 
I could have posted it online, but I love writing for Laura. I support her for Congress, you know, and I absolutely love people that are hardcore truth. Kind of like, you know, me and Mike Cernovich don't agree on everything, but I love him. Anything he does, I will support financially as much as I can and be his cheerleader. Not because I agree with everything, but I love people that go against the grain. I love people that are true to themselves. You can be a leftist, an insane leftist, but you're true to yourself and you're not a hypocrite, then I'm game. Because even though I don't agree with things that, um, you know, Mike Cernovich says, right? He stays true to himself. He's not a hypocrite. See, that's how it works. If we actually support ingenuity and uh, being, uh, you know, supporting people that are true to what they believe in, what they've been saying, the world would be such a better place without hypocrisy. I'm serious. But anyway, so now the new outrage is is that Air Force One landed in um, uh, Scotland and uh, that Vice President Pence actually stopped off, saw family, and stayed at the amazing Trump Resort. So now it's like, oh my gosh, you're just feeding your... No, he just has good taste. I mean, where's he going to go to the bed and breakfast with the toothless woman? I'm just saying he doesn't want to. He wants, you know, a little bit better comfort, maybe around the golf. Why not? So it's all President Trump's fault, of course. Uh, so moving along, let's start with the um, two minute clip of ABC News with their straws on Good Morning America telling us about four missing people after a cargo ship capsizes off of the Georgia coast. Hmm. Capsizes off of the Georgia coast. Take a listen. The race to find four crew members missing after this cargo ship capsized off the Georgia coast. There are new clues this morning. Sounds heard on board. Kaylee Hartung is there on the scene for us with the latest. Good morning, Kaylee. Good morning, Robin. The dangerous and difficult rescue mission already continuing this morning. Just a short time ago, a U.S. Coast Guard helicopter landed on what is now the top of this massive cargo ship behind me. We're told a salvage crew is on board trying to determine the best way to access the inside of the ship where they believe four missing crew members are still trapped. This morning, new details on that urgent search to find four missing crew members of this massive cargo ship after it capsized off the coast of Georgia Sunday morning and burst into flames. There's no way to get on board the vessel and they need a helo. Is everyone safe? According to the Coast Guard commander, all hope may not be lost. They've heard noises inside the ship, which could possibly be the missing crew members trying to make contact. But there's also a chance the noises could be things shifting inside the ship. The Coast Guard using helicopters and boat crews to rescue the other 20 crew members, some in the dead of night. Okay, I'm going to bring it back up. Even airlifting them to safety, but the fire hindering progress. The situation was too risky uh, to further go inside the vessel. The 650-foot ship, called the Golden Ray, was carrying vehicles. It had just departed for Baltimore when around 2 a.m. it made a turn and started listing, eventually flipping on its side. The ship, which is twice the size of a football field, was too unstable to search inside. Officials working on stabilizing the boat before going back. The last we understand is that they were on watch in the engine room when the incident happened. We brought in a team of experts to start looking at how we can uh, affect the rescue, but also do it safely. The fire on board the ship is out, but there is still a serious risk of dangerous gases inside the vessel. That, plus the stability of the ship, presenting serious challenges for rescue crews. We're told by the Coast Guard they have saturated the sound here. They haven't found anybody else in the water, so they believe those missing crew members are trapped inside. Amy? All right, we are certainly hoping for the best outcome there. Kaylee, thank you. 
But no one's telling us how it capsized or what happened. It just, oh, yeah, it was heading to Baltimore and then it like tipped over. Um, so we should keep an eye on that. That's, that's, that's something that we should look into, right? We should just keep an eye on it. Kind of like the conception. Remember how I told you guys? So weird. There's like a history of this. And then the conception didn't even talk about, you know, the people. They were like, oh, just look. And it just so happens to be missing Apple employees. <laughs> Wow. Out of all the people, only the employees of Apple, I wonder where they are, uh, went missing. You know, they can't find them. And, you know, the boat was 20 yards away from the coast and nobody, you know, after it was burning or nobody broke open a porthole, broke open the hull, you know, something to just swim 20 yards, which is from one side of garage to another. But okay. So there's that. Right. Um, uh, before we get into 9-11, we have to remember that it's going to be um, a quite a busy, 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 um, I would say, week. Uh, we have a lot of uh, information that will be coming. Uh, illusions will be shattered. And that is all coming out slowly. Right. It is all coming out slowly. But before we head into that, we have to keep in mind that uh, we do have we do have um, Epstein case where they're discussing, should we release the names or not? Yes. Release the names. Yes. Put it out. Because remember how in my report, because now everybody's talking about it, how in my report on Tori I told you that Epstein's little, you know, Lolita Express jet would land on U.S. military bases, which again, you know, you can't. I can't say, oh yeah, I'm American. Let me park here. No, you can't do that. We were, <laughs> we were paying literally for the Lolita Express to unload and load passengers on our bases with really influential global leaders and our own intelligence generals and Pentagon and clown agency people. I mean, oh, please. We don't want these people to be out in the open. We don't want them to be named. Of course we do. Of course we do. Pedophiles are worse than abortionists that end the life because they torture these souls before they end them. Okay. That's important to remember. That is very important to remember. Um, and also we have a lot of sealed indictments, you guys that haven't popped yet. Those are coming. They're really, really coming. So what, um, before we get into the whole nine 11, I want you guys to know that there are very important reasons that president Trump wants to reduce the number of refugees. First of all, these camps with the refugees make tons of money. I've told you that before. I've told you how these um, Lutheran social services, because I've been pushing and pushing and thank God the president's administration is finally hearing, or maybe it's the president that's pushing it because his cabinet is not really doing a good job. They're still walking the whole fine line. Just go down there, hammer that stuff down. Kind of like one DM that I got, let's just napalm all the poppy fields. Yeah, I'd be with it as long as we could remove all the people that are working on them because most of them that are working on them are slaves, just so you know. They're like the lower class Afghanis and Chinese and Indians and Pakistanis that they kind of recruit to to put in the fields. Now, um, 
So it's a very lucrative market for very nefarious reasons. And remember, when there's money, there are mercenaries. And we know that uh, most of these... Uh, you know, um, terrorist groups are mercenaries. They fight for the highest price. The more money you pay them, the more damage they'll do. And the more damage they'll do, the more they drive your agenda. But on the other hand, what else do they do? They start to lose control. Now, um, refugees are protected, okay, um, by clowns that are just like, open our borders. We don't need borders. Sovereignty doesn't mean we need borders. Let's just get this done. It's like, no. And just so you know, um, we are bringing in the worst group of refugees, again, the ones that don't assimilate, the ones that saw daddy swiping his machete in the middle of, you know, the market square because someone, you know, he didn't like how they looked at him or something. And just so you know, uh, not bringing in these refugees isn't hurting us. We don't have to. Unless there's an agreement we don't know about that says that we're mandated to. Because I would like to get rid of all these refugee programs. Forget you. You want to apply? Apply the right way. Go to the embassy, sign documents, file them, and that's it. And Or just go to your neighboring nation. If you're such a refugee and you're so scared, go to another country. Walk there. Like if I was a refugee of my nation here, I would walk across the border somewhere. And if Canada didn't like me too, I'd walk across the Bering Strait and go in through Asia. I'd do something. I'd pay someone to get me on a boat to apply refugee, you know, since I'm in North America. I mean, and say Mexico and Canada didn't want me because they were the same. I would apply for refuge, you know, in Portugal or Spain or, you know, Algeria or China or Russia or somewhere that wasn't, you know, one of these neighboring nations that aligned with the nation that I'm trying to escape. You know what I mean? That's how you apply for revenue. The closest nation that will not persecute you. That's how you do it. So I'm bored. I'm, I'm game on that. Because see, it's those refugees programs that bring us to positions that um, we can't fix. Now, for the past two and a half years, we were listening to the left screaming Mueller time, Mueller, Mueller. And I've told you guys about Mueller so many times. I've told you how corrupt he is, how horrific he is, just all around disgusting, and how he and Comey strong-armed Bush 43. And Bush 43 was dumb, and he just followed daddy's footsteps. He was dumb. There's a lot of people that love George Bush. I have friends that are in love with George Bush uh, Jr. because they worked for him or in some way. I'm going to tell you, he was the worst president because he was just a pawn that sat there and let these clowns continue. So Mueller was in charge of trying, of, of, of taking home this coup, right, to bring it home. But he was the guy, that fixer, and I've said this before, that actually covered up not Saudi Arabia's role only, but who was actually ultimately responsible for 9-11. In the New York Post, there was a report, right, where Paul Sperry put out an opinion piece of how Robert Mueller helped Saudi Arabia cover up its role in the 9-11 attacks. 
Now, Paul Sperry said that after a lengthy investigation, special counsel Robert Mueller charged Russia and made multiple uh, systematic efforts to interfere in our election and said the incursion deserves the attention of every American, right? Uh, Remember how he filed charges against Russians that don't exist based on evidence that was provided to him that was paid for by the Clinton Foundation. So really he can't prove that the Russians actually were involved, but (laughs) so disgusting. But the same guy... Right. That was holding these Russians accountable on manufactured, paid for by the Clintons data that can't be substantiated because they paid uh, CrowdStrike to create the code to make it look like Russia did it. Right. (laughs) Okay, And then they arrested little guys around the world that were tied to Russia because they did some email phishing back in 2005 when they were teenagers and maybe even underage to people that were Russian military because they completed their mandatory service. I mean, let's not get into just how stupid that sounds. But the bottom line is, is that he helped Saudi Arabia remove itself uh, from the assistance of the supposed hijackers that led up to the 9-11 attacks. And um, Mueller at that time was the FBI director, right? And Mueller wasn't interested in looking into spying, which involved, you know, foreign people. Never, never. He actually was covering up evidence that would point back to the Saudis. And he even deliberately lied to Congress about it. Um, he covered up the Saudi role. Now, I want you guys to understand how the fourth unelected branch of government works. This fourth unelected government works in a way where they hold hostage other nations and have them participate or fund activities that they do. Now, did Saudi Arabia have a role in this? Possibly. I mean, Osama was Saudi and Osama was CIA and they all worked together because they were all part of it because at that point, the Saudis thought that they had the in. It was like they were, you know, that group of kids. You know how when you try to join the popular group and they kind of play with you a little bit and you guys ride together or whatever and they give you a ride to school or whatever and then you do this big thing where it's like, I don't know, bury a body with them and they're like, yeah, cool. And then they oust you. This is exactly what happened in Saudi Arabia, okay? And so one of their own and their money and there's more nations involved. We gotta we gotta think. Who's involved in this coup? Yeah, same people probably played this game uh, in 9-11 and I and I would put my hand on the fire for that one same people same eyes 5 9 and 14 don't get that twisted so October 2001 Mueller was a one that said no more investigating on 9-11 we're done that's three weeks after the attack he said done And then it was at that time, around that time, that Bush was kind of like, what's going on? We got to like look into this. Why are they now asking for spying? We don't need spying. We got to stop this. And suddenly, you know, his White House was going to tell the AG and then the AG got sick. And then Mueller came in because Comey was acting attorney general out of nowhere with this fake manufactured stuff. I'm telling you, this guy had no job in any office in government except for a year and a half before he became acting attorney general at the state's attorney's office in New York, Southern District 
District of New York, where his daughter is now. Before that, he was part of the clown agency. He was working with the clown agency. Anyone telling you that he worked as a state's attorney somewhere else is lying through their teeth. That is all manufactured. They just put it out there. Kind of like this mechanic for American Airlines, which we'll talk about just after I finish this Mueller perspective so you understand. So they, Bush, 43, actually thought he was going to be president. (laughs) His dad didn't tell him how stuff works. His dad protected him, of course. I mean, you don't want to shoot your own son so he could shut up like they did Reagan, right? You got to do it slower. And show him, oh, son, you know, you got yourself in a bind. You just need to listen to these people. They know what's right. That's basically what happened in 43. So now Mueller was the one that tied and buried and destroyed and, you know, eradicated evidence that would tie anyone to the 9-11 tax other than a passport that was found in the rubble after all these towers fell down. That many of us in New York sat there and watched it burn, but never saw a plane with our eyes in the sky, but we just saw it on the cameras. And then people are like, what? No, 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 that can't be. It was a plane. Yeah, well, just so you know how good their technology is, live while Tulsi Tulsi Gabbard was on TV, and Google that, TMZ saw that as she was talking, she had a zit. They, they, They photoshopped it out while she was talking. She started talking, there was a big zit on her chin, and then it went away while she was talking. The cameras weren't live. Those of us that were there know they weren't live. Because while I was in that Starbucks coffee shop, Wall Street, watching from a window, you see the explosion, and they're not showing an explosion on TV, though a minute and a half later, boom, there's a plane going, it was a plane, did you see a plane? I didn't see a plane. Nobody saw a plane. We saw the explosion. You know, I will never take what they tell me as gospel. I I believe my eyes and my eyes said, I saw no plane unless it came from behind. But how did it come from behind? If the explosion was to the, to the East of where I was looking at, it makes no sense. It was three o'clock. It shot out three o'clock and then, you know, six o'clock toward me, uh, you know, and you know, no, it went three o'clock. No, it went three o'clock and then up like Z, Z axis up and then it exploded everywhere. So I don't see how, how that happened. Yeah. There might've been a blind spot and there might've been a plane on that side. But then when I saw it on TV, man, it was showing it like it was coming in my purview from the West. And I'm like, I didn't see a plane. So I don't believe anything anyone says. You could call me a conspiracy theorist. I believe my eyes. If I didn't see it with my eyes, but the TV's telling me it's there, I don't believe it either. Because with my eyes, I saw Tulsi Gabbard with a pimple on her chin while she was talking and it disappeared right in front of my eyes. So the technology we have is incredible. Many of us sit there and think, oh yeah, but that was like um, 2001. Why? The technology you have in your hands right now, the cell phones, the video cameras, the tapping, the, 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 the computer systems, everything. <laughs> the government had that in the 80s. You had internet in the late 90s. The government had internet in the late 60s, early 70s. It was called the intranet, internal net, their net, their talk. So again, you and I know nothing unless we can see it with our eyes or we've experienced it. So now it's coming out. That agents were literally called off 
from investigating this. FBI agent Stephen Moore headed the 9-11 task force, the task force looking into local contacts made by two of the 15 Saudi hijackers. Moore testified in a 9-11 affidavit, his, his affidavit, that Saudi Arabia, he, he said that diplomatic and intelligence personnel of Saudi Arabia knowingly provided material support to two hijackers and facilitated the 9-11 plot. Yet his team was not allowed to interview them. For all of you lefties out there that one time you are applauding the devil to again obfuscate what is really going on. For the first time in our history for a very long time, right? Because we did have JFK for a bit and he, he danced a little bit to try to stay. We have a president that wants to pull back the curtain and show you everything. We have a president that wants to say, stop. We are not a socialist nation. We are a free nation of free people that will provide the people the right to manifest and create and promote and dictate what direction their own country goes to. And many people say that's a pipe dream being free, but that is our innate right. (laughs) volunteer slaves. That's what we are. I mean, we're monitored, we're tracked, we're this. I mean, I'm already on my way out. What, 10, 20 years maybe? And if I'm lucky with technology, maybe 30. But other than that, I mean, I'm on my way out. The only thing we can do (laughs) is try to ensure that that doesn't continue, that path changes, that we create that fork in the road and we take it. That we create the fork. That we di- change the path. That's, that's how we fix things. That is exactly how we fix things. By changing the path. It is the only way we can change things. Now, this uh, American Airlines pilot uh, mechanic, guys, he has a history. This guy did not do this by accident. Uh, he was a careless employee, but he was a jihadi and he used the Muslim card many times, especially when he got fired before. And what I heard was, is that care actually got him a job at Miami International Air, which is the exclusive airline that Obama gave a contract to to transport people from Guantanamo to the U.S. Oh, didn't a plane crash from there? I'm just saying. I'll see you all tomorrow. Same time, same place, 12 to 2. God bless from everyone here at Red State. Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. 